At Eastern Bank, we believe that growing business should also grow the community. That's why we work to give all business owners what they need to take their dreams to the next level. Our dedication to small businesses and communities has inspired us to create the Equity Alliance for Business program and become the number one SBA lender in Massachusetts for 15 years running. We're proud to be here for all businesses, big and small. See the good we can do for you by visiting easternbank.com slash business. Member FDIC. In late 2007, the remains of a young woman from the Casca Nation were discovered in the Yukon woods. I always think about, I want to know what really happened. So I travel north to try to understand what happened and who was involved. It's a pretty big risk to come forward with the information that I have. I'm David Ridgen, and this is Someone Knows Something, Season 8, The Angel Carlet Case. Available now. Hi, Seymour listeners, Shirley Leung here. For the holidays, we're going to be turning the mic around. So I invite you to AMA, Ask Me Anything. Send questions to saymore at globe.com. Have questions about the state of media, podcasting, who has been my favorite guest? Saymore at globe.com. Okay, here's the show. Welcome to Say More from Boston Globe Opinion. I'm Shirley Leung. The holiday season is here, which means the social pressure to shop is relentless. Whether it's for myself or someone else, the temptation to buy another pair of leggings or that cute sweater on the sale rack is hard to resist. But my guest today says, maybe I should. Kimberly Atkins Store is a senior opinion writer and columnist at the Boston Globe. She's also a regular contributor to MSNBC. Kim has just published a new series in Globe Opinion about her own journey learning about the sustainability of fashion. Kim, welcome to Say More. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here. So I want to ask you about your personal history. Um, Your grandmother was a sewer. uh, Your mom was a seamstress. Um, So what's your relationship with fashion and making clothes? Yeah, I grew up with fashion and making clothes. My earliest memories are of my mom uh, sewing things, and they always just seemed so beautiful to me. I loved when she made clothes for me. I know there's this idea that when your mom makes your clothes and you're a kid in school that, you know, it's like a kick-me sign, but I loved it because I I knew that all the pieces looked fantastic. And yeah, my grandmother used to perform. She was a singer and a dancer um, in the 40s, and she would make her costume and the costumes of her bandmates. So sewing has sort of been in my DNA, so to speak. And you sew yourself, right? I do. So I um, have always known how to sew from my mom and my grandmother. And I started making clothes when I moved to Washington, D.C. and was covering the Supreme Court as a reporter because I couldn't find dresses and suits that fit me right, you know, and I would always either alter them. And I ended up just making things. And my friends were like, that's great. Where'd you get it? Like, I made it. I designed it. And so next thing I know, I had a little business. I was doing fashion shows in the Washington, D.C. area. I was in... In your spare time. Yeah, in some (laughs) magazines. And it sort of became, I became a fashion designer accidentally um, and sort of had that side gig for, for almost a decade. And then the pandemic came and everything shut down, including that. So I think it was during the pandemic that you started to think about the ethics of the industry, of the fashion industry. You know, tell me about that. What, was there a specific moment that made you think, ooh, maybe this is not so good making all these clothes? 
Yeah, there were several. I think during the pandemic, we all had a lot of time to think about what we were doing and why, right? And so it was both the social justice uh, aspect of it that I thought about. You know, since George Floyd, we were all thinking about how we treat each other as human beings and the injustices, economic and racial injustices in the world. And also we thought more about the planet. You know, we saw the impact, how just fewer people driving for that period of time made a massive change to CO2 output. And I thought, listen, if I want to ramp back up this uh, fashion business as small as it was, I want to do it so that there is zero negative impact to the climate or the people in it. I wanted to do it in an environmentally just way. And I went to figure out how to do that. And there was no playbook. There was no direction. And I thought, if I'm a journalist, if I'm a smart person, I can't figure this out. How are other people, whether they're starting up or already in the business, learning how to do this. So that was the seed for this series. So tell me, what's so bad about, you know, all these clothes, making clothes, and what's why is it so bad for the planet? So think about it this way. Currently on Earth, there are enough clothing textiles, materials that are already clothing or that we can make clothing out of, to clothe every human for the next 100 years. Wow. Already in existence, yet we are still producing more and more and more. And what happens is they fill up landfills, they fill them up here in the States or in other Western countries. But when there's no place to put them, they also get bundled up and shipped to the global South, places like India and African countries. Some of them are sold, a very small percentage, but the most end up rotting in piles, burning, releasing methane and CO2, uh, dyes and chemicals clogging waterways, microplastics from synthetic fibers getting into water supply. It really does a lot of damage. In fact, up to 10% of CO2 production alone, without all the other kinds of pollution, comes from the fashion industry. So it's a big, big problem. Now, has it always been this way? I mean, uh, the the type of textiles used? I mean, has there always been this problem where there's more clothes (laughs) than anyone can wear? No, it's a really recent phenomenon. It's only happened in the last couple of decades. Before, clothing production was much smaller and people bought less. But now with the advent of fast fashion, right, we we hear that as a buzzword. But what it means is you have a lot of manufacturers, places you think about H&M, Zara, that they put out new collections almost every couple of weeks to try to keep up with trends that are driven increasingly by social media. So people want to get the next thing. They want to be on trend. They're affordable and they're quick and you wear them a couple times and then you throw them away. This is a fairly new phenomenon. I think even if you think about when we were kids, we didn't buy and get rid of things as quickly as we do now. Trends didn't change as quickly. So that's adding to the phenomenon. Is it a fad or do you think it's here to stay, this fast fashion? I think it's here until the industry and the people in it change their mindset um, because it's it's very lucrative to make fashion at a very cheap price, which means using inferior textiles, which are worse for the earth, which means paying people who produce them less so that they don't make a living wage and they're endangered, makes the companies a lot of money. So what we have to do is think about it differently. How can we put 
conservation, environmental justice first and make that pay off, make that lucrative and attractive to these companies. They're not going to change for altruistic reasons. It's going to be because it's good for their bottom lines. But that's why I was excited to talk to some designers uh, and some people who are trying to help consumers make good choices and people who think about the way fashion is even taught to say, look, you can change it and still make money, still scale it up, still be innovative and still make it fun without destroying the planet and while still protecting the most vulnerable people on the planet. So what would it take for more designers and more consumers to start thinking about um, buying more um, eco-friendly clothing and and fashion? I mean, what would it take to change, to, to kind of change our habits? So just a couple things. Like, we haven't found all the solutions, but a couple that I think are great. One point is less than 1% of clothing textiles are recycled. Like, we hear a lot about brands that, oh, it's recycled materials, it's this and that. It can be a very small percentage in a garment, and they still label it that way. If we actually take those fibers and reuse them and repurpose them, that will prevent a big part of the problem. You can still be innovative. You can still make new things, but you're not damaging the planet as much. That's why I talked to someone, for example, who makes the designer bags out of plastic bags that he was finding as waste in New York City in his own studio and, and elsewhere. I'm talking to somebody who, remember I talked about how clothing is shipped off to uh, countries in right. Africa and right. elsewhere. Uh, a Ugandan designer, Bobby Colliday, who takes that and has a line called Return to Sender and uses those as raw materials for his really innovative and beautiful designs and sells them to Western countries, which I think is fantastic, sort of shipping that trash back rather than letting it rot in Uganda or other African countries. Both of them are now partnering with other brands, other people to sort of scale this up and, and think about it differently. Now, I think in the series, you revealed that you are are trying not to buy anything, right? Yes. Except for your sneakers, right? Yes. So I'm not buying anything new, nothing that it, unless it has been used before. So thrifting, uh, consignment, I will buy. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm trying to do that for one full year. The only exception is one pair of running shoes that I bought because my running shoes wore out and that would literally be bad for my joints if I didn't get a new one. Um, and, you know, that's the one place to or reusing. It's like, well, if I use somebody else's worn out shoes, that's not going to help me either. Um, so that's the one exception that I made for myself. But nothing, nothing else that isn't uh, made by an artisan of all natural materials, which I haven't found yet, or used by someone else will I buy for a full year. I'm, I'm almost halfway through that. And how is that going? It's going better than I thought. You know, there are lots of things you can find in thrifting. And look, one thing that we can encourage retailers to do is think about that secondary market when they produce a jacket. I am wearing a jacket from Zara right now that I thrifted. And I think if we can encourage Zara to see a opportunity beyond that first sale to think they want to make things that are going to last for a while and maybe they can return them to the oh, store right. and yeah. get in on this resale yeah. market, which is really hot, yeah. it will encourage them to use better uh, materials, right. things that will last longer, and they can make more money off of it. So right. it's a, an example of how clothing companies can rethink the way they do things. 
So my producer, Anna, uh, says she shops obsessively uh, at used clothing sites like ThreadUp and Poshmark. So is that, is that the solution? Is that what, or, or, is, it, or is that just a Band-Aid? It can be. It depends on how you do it. I think the solution is being thoughtful uh, and being intentional with your purchases. It's great to give things a second home uh, as opposed to buying new and forcing the creation of new products. But it doesn't matter if you're doing a lot of that shopping and you're still giving that stuff away, then it doesn't work. If you're doing a lot of the shopping and you're throwing a lot of things away, that's even worse. So it's about being thoughtful about what's in your closet. Now, one great thing about sites like that and others, or that's where a lot of people get affordable uh, clothing as well. I heard a lot about, well, you know what, don't knock these brands like Shein and H&M because they give a lot of affordable options to people who can't always afford other things. But with circular fashion, that also provides a wonderful place to get affordable, more affordable clothing in a way that helps the planet. And I think it's a mindset change, too. You know, back 30 years ago, a lot more people smoked, right? Because smoking was seen as cool, but or at least not frowned upon. Now, find a young person who smokes these days, smokes tobacco cigarettes. Nobody does, right? Because it's not cool anymore. We thought differently about that. We think differently about seatbelts. I think we need to do that same mental change about where we get our clothing and how we get our clothing. More of my conversation with Kim Atkins store after this short break. Across New England, commercial businesses of all sizes rely on Eastern Bank. We help clients grow by being able to answer their larger loan needs and by offering innovative solutions, smart decision-making, and one-on-one relationships. From franchise financing to community development and asset-based lending, our knowledgeable and experienced commercial team deeply understands your business and the communities you serve. See how we can help you meet your business goals at easternbank.com slash commercial. Member FDIC. As a longtime foreign correspondent, I've worked in lots of places, but nowhere as important to the world as China. I'm Jane Perlez, former Beijing bureau chief for The New York Times. Join me on my new podcast, Face Off, U.S. versus China, where I'll take you behind the scenes in the tumultuous U.S.-China relationship. Find Face Off wherever you get your podcasts. So you talked about, we talked a little bit about used clothing sites. Now, what about... Are there certain clothing brands that are inspiring you right now in terms of, um, you know, using more sustainable textiles um, and um, and just being, you know, more thinking more about um, the environment yeah. when they're producing their clothes? You know, I have been finding more in ways, including uh, a website called Good On You, whose founder I spoke to as part of this series. One problem is consumers just don't have all the information about what's going into clothing, even if they read labels, even if they yeah. try. Uh, clothing companies aren't really forthcoming with this information. So this site uses uh, crowdsourced and open materials 
open source materials to come up with a rating system for brands. So you can oh, go wow. on and you can search. You can think to yourself, I need a new pair of jeans, but I don't want to make a bad choice. Right. So you can go on and type in jeans and list, uh, they will list the companies that they have according to their rankings. And you can find a seller that is getting high marks because they pay their workers a living wage, because they uh, have very low impact on the environment. And it's a really good resource for people who are looking to make good decisions but don't wouldn't otherwise know how to do that. What's the website again? It is goodonyou.eco. And what's the criteria? They have, uh, they list the criteria on there, but a big one is what I talked about, paying a living wage, Mm -hmm. the environmental impact, the amount of information that they divulge. They knock down in points if there's a company that just doesn't disclose what they do, that gets it a poor score. So it also encourages companies. Are there any big brands or mostly small brands? They're both. Okay. There's everything from your H&Ms and your Sheehan's to um, small independent designers from across the country and the world. I do see a lot of brands now um, marketing themselves as using recycled materials or, or more uh, being more sustainable in their practices. Um, you know, but is there greenwashing happening in fashion, the fashion industry? That's one of the big problems, right? Because we do, people, uh, brands do recognize that more consumers, the the research shows that consumers have sustainability in mind when they shop. They want to shop their values, but they don't know where to go. And so they've begun using some uh, buzzwords like recycled materials, sustainable materials, organic materials. And people think, okay, I'm making a good choice here. But a lot of times, what does that mean? Does that mean that 5% of the materials in this garment came from recycled uh, items and 95 did not. That's when we. That's what we talk about when we say greenwashing. When you look under the layers, you realize that these items are not as sustainable as you think. And I think that's how more information, like what is provided on Good on You, really tries to break down what is real and what is just messaging and hype. Again, it's hard for a consumer to know, and the more t- uh, tools that we have at our disposal, the better. So um, I have to admit, when I first heard that you were doing this series, um, and I was kind of dreading it, uh, <laughs> I mean, you do a good job laying out the issues and what's at stake, uh, but I feel like almost with all environmental reporting, um, I learned that everything I enjoy is killing the planet. You know, food, <laughs> travel, now yes. clothes. I mean, really, you're going to take the joy of shopping from me, too. Um, so, uh, you know, how do you break people out of these habits? Or, or, or am I thinking about this the wrong way? I think it's a little of both. Shopping is fun, and it can continue to be fun. I'm somebody who adores fashion. I, I don't want to give fashion up, even though I want to protect the planet. It's about fun. Finding a smarter way to do it, a more eco-friendly way to do what we do. We all love our beverages. We would never have thought maybe, you know, 20 years ago, everybody would be carrying our own, you know, container. That's true. That's true. We, in, we have changed. We right, right. We don't, yeah, we, we carry our own uh, water bottles right. now. That's right. So that didn't take away the fun from of eating That's, or drinking. Yeah. It just means that we do things in a different, more conscious way. And I think that's the way we have to tackle fashion. Young people 
are are more motivated than just about any other age group to address the climate crisis. And I think they're going to be forced, the fashion industry will be forced to do this one way or another. And I think the faster that they do, the better for their own bottom lines, as well as the better for the planet. Yeah, and it's not just, I mean, what I hear a lot about, it's not just the Gen Zs or the millennials. You know, I'm a Gen, Gen I think we're Gen Xers. X, yes. um, but a lot of people talk about, uh, you know, I have ki- young kids. It, I, it, you know, I, I want to uh, be a better, uh, I guess, um, a better consumer because my kids will be, my kids are 10 and 12. Even though I didn't grow up with these habits, you know, of thinking about the environment, I'm, I'm really, I'm, I'm thinking about for my own kids. And certainly reading this series, I was like, oh, I really should change my, (laughs) I really should change how I think about shopping. Yeah. And, you know, you can think about it as going back to basics. You know, people were stylish in the 30s and 40s and 60s and 80s before we had this kind of consumption kind of uh, society. And I think you can go back to that. I think about the beautiful clothes my mom made for me uh, and how special that they were. So I think if we get back to basics, uh, we get back, you know, to doing things in a way with the environment in mind, it'll still be fun and it'll still be special. So have you put away your sewing machine forever or or do you think you'll go back to sewing or are you done? Yeah, no. So I've not put away my sewing machine. I use it a lot for when I decided not to get rid of, uh, not to donate a bunch of clothing. I used it to alter them or do something else so I can wear the clothes that I have. I definitely continue to design clothes that I have for myself with existing fabrics and textiles that I have. And I hope uh, to restart the uh, my clothing line, um, my small bespoke women's wear line, in a way that has zero negative imp- impact on the planet. And that was sort of the quest that put me uh, on the path of this series. And I'm going to be using what I learned to do that at some point in the future. But right now, I'm really glad to marry my journalism side and my fashion side uh, just to spread greater awareness about this. Well, Kim, I was going to call you the Grinch <laughs> as we head into the holiday shopping season. But now you've changed my mind. I I can sh- still shop yes. and, and do good by the planet. Um, so Kimberly Atkins Store is a senior opinion writer and columnist at the Boston Globe. Check out her reporting series on fashion at globe.com slash opinion. Kim, thank you for coming on to talk about your series. Thanks for having me. It's been a pleasure. Say More is a production of the Boston Globe. Today's episode was produced by Anna Kusmer with help from Scott Hellman. Our editor is Jim Dow. Our engineer is Uzair Ahmed. Our music is from APM Music. If you like the show, please follow us on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Email us at saymore at globe.com. I'm Shirley Leung. Thanks for listening. <laughs>